My name is Fortune Teller Baba, and you're listening to the Hermit Style Podcast. Now, where's my brother? I need my 10 zenny back with 57 years interest. Welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast. Talking all about the Dragon Ball Supercard game. From competitive play to the world of collecting, with your host, Jimmy Bacon. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast. We are back. It is Sunday, recording on a Sunday, January 23rd. Welcome back to the show. Uh, We got a fun one planned today. We're actually going to be talking all about buying and selling. Okay, so if you listen to last week's episode, it was basically a new player guide, and I just gave a bunch of general tips on how to enter the game. Um, so today is going to just kind of feed off of that, and now we're going to really dive into the buying and selling aspect of Dragon Ball. You know, how to effectively purchase your cards, how to fund your cards, and just kind of general tips about the marketplace. Uh, I think it's really important. A lot of people ask me different questions about how to package cards, how do I sell cards, when's the right time to buy, what do I buy, all these different kinds of questions. So I'm going to try and hit as much as I can and kind of use this as another guide uh, to help you with those with those kinds of decisions. So should be a fun episode today, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to do it. I've actually uh, wanted to do this for a while because... I would say that of everything I will talk about today, I'm most passionate about etiquette. (laughs) Uh, It's really frustrating when people don't use the proper etiquette. Um, And some things are understandable if you're newer, but just having some respect (laughs) for for the people that you do business with is really important. And we'll talk about the best ways to show that. Um, But yeah. But other than that, uh, today has actually been really fun. If you are on Instagram... Uh, the Dragon Ball community uh, has been participating in DBS Flex Day. <laughs> this has been uh, so decreed by Top Son Goku. Uh, if you don't know Top Son Goku, you are missing out. You definitely need to follow him and check out his podcast, uh, which is called Passion Over Profits. He's a huge Dragon Ball collector, and that's really all, that's like his expertise, right? That's all he does, and um, he, he's really good at it. And he has a really solid collection, but he put on Instagram today that (laughs) today was flex day and everyone had to put their top five DBS cards. And he tagged a bunch of people and encouraged everyone. He tagged, tagged more people just to get as many as possible. And man, they're literally my whole Instagram feed today, just nonstop everyone's top five cards that they own from DBS. So it's just been awesome. It's been it's been such an awesome day. Um, if you don't follow um, a lot of the different Dragon Ball collectors and enthusiasts, hobbyists on Instagram, this is a good opportunity to start. Just search the hashtag DBS Flex Day and you can find a bunch of them. And uh, if you have cards you'd like to show off, it's a little late when I'm posting this, right? I'm posting this, I'm posting this on Sunday. By the time you're hearing this, it's probably going to be late at night if you're listening now. So if you're listening now and you want to get in on it, you can. If not, you know, motivation for the next one. He he randomly does these and uh, they're really fun. It's just a way to engage with the community 
And uh, a lot of the collectors, that's that's where they go is Instagram. That's where Dragon Ball is really big for collectors. So if uh, that's something you're into, definitely go check it out. This is an easy way to kind of get in and, and connect it with everybody. Uh, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun with that. I made a post that I put a lot of time into, so I would appreciate it if you check it out. Maybe give it a like if you like it. But I... I found this app that can put on these really cool effects to pictures and kind of animate them. So I've been working on kind of like animating my cards. And I did one for the SPR version of Royal Condemnation. And I don't know, you might think it's corny. I think it's sick. I like, I, I've, I've watched the video a bunch of times. <laughs> it's, it's really dope. Watch it with the sound on. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't disappoint. I think it's sweet. I made like Vegeta's energy blast turn in a circle and like you can see it looks like he's like gathering energy and I don't know. It, it looks sweet to me. Uh, <laughs> so check it out. But uh, but yeah, DBS Flex Day. I'm excited for the next one already because my top five cards I own will definitely change after Realm of the Gods. So Top Sun, if you're listening, after Realm of the Gods drops, we need another one, my friend, and make sure you tag me. <laughs> uh, all right, but... Other than that, not a whole lot going on. I will say on last week's episode, I did say a lot of pretty negative things about Mythic Booster. I was not very happy about it. I was pretty pessimistic. Um, my viewpoint hasn't changed. I still feel the same way. Prices have gone up a little bit, which is good, but they're not really where they should be. But um, I caught a lot of, I would say, differing feedback. Some people... Uh, really appreciate it. My honesty, whether they agreed or disagreed, some people agreed. And then some people, uh, I, I guess I, I upset a little bit. So I'm not going to apologize. That's kind of the point of the podcast, right? Is I get you listen for my opinions. Okay. If everything I say on this podcast, I said, oh yeah, it's great. Bandai does a wonderful job. Everything's wonderful. Who wants to listen to that? You don't need to listen to the podcast because it's a fake opinion. You know, when you listen, I am giving you what I honestly think at that time. Uh, so that is just what it is. And I will say maybe I was a little harsh, but I really, truly care about this game. And the way I think about it, I heard this on another podcast where they were criticizing something they didn't like, and it really resonated with me. And they said, you know... It's kind of like when you're talking to a family member that you care about and they're doing something that you feel is bad for them, bad for their health or bad for the people around them. Typically, you care a lot more if it was if it's a loved one or a family member and you want what's best for them. So you may be a little more harsh and your expectations are probably a lot higher for those people than maybe just some random stranger walking down the street, right? Um, and I think that kind of applies here, right? Like I re am really passionate about the Dragon Ball Super card game. I really enjoy it and I want it to thrive and be successful. So yeah, if there's something I don't like or something I think they did wrong that they could have done better, um, I, I, I will put my opinion out there and I want it ultimately to help improve the game. I want that people can understand both sides of the coin, why it could have been good and why it could have been bad. And you know, my expectations are high and I think all of our expectations should be high because we love the game so much and we want it to be the best it can possibly be. Um, so that's all I'll say on that. If you don't like hearing my honest opinion, maybe this podcast isn't for you. <laughs> um, but I can't say that that will change since the start of it. Uh, you know, when Mike was on and even since, uh, you guys know that 
we kind of say how it is and we say exactly what we're thinking. And I think that kind of honesty and transparency is something that I think a lot of our listeners really appreciate. So that's not going anywhere. Just wanted to put that out there. And um, yeah, (laughs) but that being said, let's jump into the news. News from the lookout. Okay, so um, for newer listeners to the show, I know we've gotten some new listeners recently. Um, The main topic is always after news. So if you're just really excited for the buying and selling piece of this podcast, you can actually just fast forward to it if you want. Um, We do have some good news to talk about today, so I recommend you listen. But, you know, if that's why you are here, I always put the timestamps in the description of every episode so you can just jump to whichever part of the podcast you would like to listen to. Uh, but all right. So news. Oh boy. You know, I was really optimistic for DBS Fest and I was like, man, when they drop the news, we'll have exciting things to talk about. It'll be a nice pick me up from after Mythic Booster. And uh, <laughs> uh, I am sorry to say this may not be the most optimistic news segment again. <laughs> um, but I will say I am more optimistic than most. So let me explain. Uh, If you haven't heard already, DBS Fest is this new event they're running. It's the first in real life events they've announced. So there are two for North America, one that will be in Florida and one that will be in Texas. I went into things about the events and some of the different prizes you can get in the last episode. But since then, they've put more details on it. And the biggest piece of news of all the details that they revealed was that this is going to be a Unison Warriors only format. So this is not a standard format. You can only use cards from the Unison Warrior block. And the way you know if it's a Unison Warrior card is in the bottom right corner, you will see a little UW with a circle around it. Um, If it has that, that means that it is Unison Warriors and it is legal to play. Okay, Um, I will preface this by saying I think most people are overreacting. I think 100% there have been a lot of overreactions for this. It's not as bad as people say, but this is bad. This is not a good thing. Um, And the reason is that, all right, one, in competitive playing Dragon Ball, most people only care about the standard format. And yes, it is good to have things that can cater to more casual players, but we've seen throughout the history of this game that even casual players want to play to be competitive. Um, There's a very, very small group of people that are not just trying to play the best deck that they can get their hands on, or even if they're playing a more niche deck and a more fun deck, they're still trying to play it in the most competitive way possible. Um, Ultimately, this game has just and playing wise really cater to people who are competitive and especially even more so for people who go to events. Um, we, when there's events ran solely for fun, people tend not to care as much, right? The people who are strictly in it just for casual play, which by the way is fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but those typically aren't the people traveling to events, right? Um, The issue is that a Unison Warrior block is seen as more of a casual event. And I think it's kind of how they want it to market this. But there's like a crazy high price point to enter. It's like $50. And there's only two tournaments, one in Florida, one in Texas, which means most people in the country are going to have to travel. I can guarantee you no casual player is traveling for a tournament. That seems silly, right? And no casual player is paying a high entry fee for a tournament either. It just doesn't make 
really any sense. Um, so, you know, that part is really frustrating. Um, my personal opinion is this game does not need a rotation. I do think that that would be bad for the game. I don't think it's necessary at this point. Um, whether it would kill the game or not, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people have very strong opinions. Ultimately, we have no idea what really the outcome would be. Um, but regardless, we really don't need a rotation. Um, I, I'd really have not seen really one viewpoint on why that would be a good thing for the game. Uh, that being said, ultimately, if you do not like this, just don't go, don't support it. And if this event isn't successful, I would bet money that it probably won't continue to happen. Right. So ultimately just, if you don't like the event, don't go to it, don't support it. Let Bandai know you don't like it. And I would think that they probably will not continue to run an event that is not successful. So I think there is a lot of overreaction. Um, there's people acting like this is the game's demise and it's over. And, you know, it, it's really not that big of a deal. It's only two events. And these are being advertised as almost like exhibition events. These aren't our regionals. Um, so ultimately, we're still going to get the same things. Bandai isn't taking anything away. This is just an extra event to go compete in. So the way I look at it, if I'm close enough to drive to it, sure, I'll go play and have some fun. If I'm not, then no, I'm not going to consider traveling to get a hotel and, and get a flight and all that kind of stuff. It's just really not worth it. Um, the unfortunate part is that if they made it a standard format that was more competitive and the pricing was just a little bit better, uh, you probably would have seen a huge drive for people wanting to play. Um, it didn't need to be like Nats level prizing or anything, you know, but the, it, it is, I would say a little bit weak. There's some good prizing for it, but it definitely could have been better. Um, so yeah, ultimately I think this event is a miss. I think that the negativity being brought is valid. Um, I just don't think it's as extreme as some are making it out to be. Um, I think the game will be fine. I think ultimately it's just a bad idea. And you know what? Based off the events we've had, Bandai has done so much for the game. Every now and then, uh, you know, a bad idea is fine. They want to try something new. That's fine. Um, I don't I don't see the big deal personally. I'm just not going to support it because I don't like it. Uh, that being said, if this started to be a standard thing for DBS, now, now there's an issue. And that's why I want to put my opinion out there. That's why I think others should put their opinions out there. And if you share the same opinion, I don't think that you should participate because that will ultimately let Bandai know that, Hey, the players actually don't like this, even the casual players. Um, but that's just my two cents. You guys can let me know what you think about it. Honestly, I'm not going to spend any more time about it because I think, uh, the community is being a little dramatic about it. So I don't think I really need to bring any more attention than I already have to this. Um, but you know, if you, if you have different thoughts, let me know what, what you guys think, or maybe if I'm not seeing a perspective, let me know. Share it with me. I, I would love to hear. Uh, I'm pretty open to, to other perspectives on these kinds of things. And um, yeah. So anyways, that is it for DBS Fest for now. If you want to look at the exact pricing structure and everything, you can go to the official Facebook page or their website. It's all it's all up there. And you can actually register. Regist registration is open. So if you do want to participate in the tournament, you certainly can. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's all there for, for you to see. But moving on, that's really all there is for official Dragon Ball news. But for Hermit-style news, the Winter League 
is finally coming to a close. Some gyms have extended their times to play past. It was supposed to end this weekend, but I believe we still have some gyms giving badges. Um, so if you haven't earned all of your badges yet, you still can. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, during this kind of off season of Dragon Ball, we put together a winter league in the Hermit Style Discord where you can compete against gym leaders, play them in a match of Dragon Ball, and if you win, you get a gym badge. And if you collect eight gym badges, you qualify for an invitational Hermit Style tournament. And if you earn 10 gym badges, in addition to your invite, you also get to go up against the Elite Four, uh, which consists of uh, Zach from Hermit Style Team, myself, uh, Cam, and then last is Sublet, also from the Hermit Style team. Um, so you can put your skills to the test, uh, earn your badges, and then face off against the Elite Four. Kind of like the Pokemon games. It's been honestly really, really fun. It's been really engaging. I'm blown away by how much participation we've had. I've lost count of how many participants, but it's been well over 100. And I believe we're at about 25 qualified for the tournament. Um, so really, really cool. Keep grinding those badges, guys. Um, and hopefully as many of you that want to be qualified can get there. And uh, yeah, the tournament is coming. So the tournament will be next Saturday, which is December 29th. And it will start at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we'll make sure that everyone is aware of everything going on with the tournament. I'll make special rooms for it and uh, make sure everything's clear and cohesive. But yeah, it, sh it should be fun. If I can stream games, I will. Honestly, I really can't commit to it right now. I've been so busy lately. I'm not sure I'll be able to. But either way, the tournament's a go, and there's some dope prizing. You can win some Hermit-style gear, uh, like a metal token, um, cardboard tokens, a sticker. And then we've got some other things on the line, like you can win XP. Uh, you actually get to come on the podcast if you win. And you get to feature the deck you won with in a deck profile on the Hermit Style YouTube. So a lot of really cool things. We're still seeing if we can add some more prizing to it. Uh, but ultimately, this has just been a really fun event, right? It's, uh, you know, somewhat competitive. But ultimately, it's really just to have some fun, keep playing Dragon Ball during the offseason, have something to do. And we will be doing another league in the future. I don't know any details of how we'll do it. I'm thinking maybe we'll run this like twice a year. Or maybe it's only once a year. Maybe we just do the Winter League. But uh, it's been so successful. I don't see why not. Everyone's enjoyed themselves. So, yeah, look forward. If you didn't get to participate in this one, definitely look forward to the next one. All right. And the last piece of news is um, we have a giveaway, right? Uh, we always do our monthly giveaways. I did so many in December. I needed a little break. So I'm doing a mini one-week giveaway for the month of January. You've got a week to enter. And you can win a custom metal leader. Uh, I've got an old Clash Coup leader. It's actually really sick. Uh, I've never actually used it. And um, I'll post an image of the art. Uh, but it's a really, really cool green Goku uh, custom art metal leader. And then I've also got inside of this giveaway package a Hermit-style sticker, plus you will win five gold-stamped cards from Mythic Booster. Um, so five gold-stamped cards from Mythic Booster selected at random, a Hermit-style sticker, and a custom metal leader. Uh, so pretty dope giveaway, and this one is insanely easy to enter. All you have to do is go on Spotify and rate the podcast five stars. That's it. After you're done, screenshot it, post your entry in the Discord. You're done. And then I will pick the winner after the month is over, and uh, we'll announce it in the Discord so you'll know. And yeah, it should be, a, should be a fun time. So definitely get in there, get your entries, and of course you always get extra entries for my most active members of the Discord as you level up and rank up. 
you can get extra entries. So definitely if you're not already in the Discord, get in then get in there now. Link's always in the description. You guys know the whole spiel. Uh, but that's it. That's everything for news. So without further ado, let's jump into the main topic. Turtle School Weekly Focus. All right. So uh, main topic, we made it. The buying and selling guide for the Dragon Ball Super card game. Uh, I'm going to go over all sorts of things. Some may be very obvious to you, and then some probably aren't so obvious. So um, I kind of cover every spectrum. So whether you are brand new to buying and selling in this game, or you've been doing it for a while, I tried to put a lot of different things in there so everyone can get a little something out of it. And I've, I'll also differentiate between players and collectors. Obviously, from my experience, I will give a little more from the player side, uh, but from my own collecting and my uh, discussions with other collectors in the community, I've also gathered some really good tips for collectors as well. All right, so let's jump into it. I'm going to start with buying, and I'm going to start talking about buying sealed product. So I think the most important thing is if you want to buy sealed product, you have to know a couple things. One, you want to make sure you understand what is in the product, you want to make sure you understand what the product is, and then you have to understand what your goals are. So the best way always, if you look at it and you're like, yes, I need this product, I want to be cracking packs, best way always, you got to pre-order. The thing is, is that pre-orders come early and they go fast. So you have to be on it. There's people that literally check some of the bigger websites like every day, just waiting for a pre-order of a new set to go up so they can grab it. Um, but pre-orders are really the best way to go because most places will give you a discount. Okay, most places will give you a discount. Obviously, you know, cheaper the price, the better, right? So pre-orders are great. Um, I would say if you are looking at buying a full set release, and when I say full set, I mean like the um like you know whether we're in like right now coming up, we have Realm of the Gods that's set sixteen. That's a full set. Right? That's part of the Unison Warrior block. That's a full set. Um, when we talk about things like Anniversary Box, if we talk about things like Draft Box, uh, if we talk about you know other products like that, those I don't really consider a full set. They're structured entirely differently, um, and we have to judge them a little bit differently, which we'll talk about in a moment. But for a full set, you know, you're buying a box. You've got 24 packs in the box. My advice to you is either buy pre or pre-order uh full cases or nothing at all now a full case is 12 boxes so it will cost you a lot of money <laughs> it's definitely not cheap to do that um however which we'll get more into the selling side as well it is the you get the most bang for your buck when you buy a case the issue with buying a box is you have a really high chance at not pulling good cards and you have a very low chance at pulling an SCR. And ultimately, what really gets you your money back on these cases is the SCR. That's where you get the value out of really any sealed full set is pulling the SCR. Um, now, some sets are really good, and sometimes there's some chase SPRs that are solid that if you buy the box and you pull a certain SPR, it's worth it. Sure, that's great. But ultimately, it's gambling, right? So, I mean, hey, if you're a gambler, go for it. But uh, ultimately, it's if you look at how many times you will miss versus how many times you will hit, it is more likely you will miss on a box and will end up losing money than if you had just bought the singles that you wanted. Um, now, if you buy a full case and intend to sell and trade, a full case will typically be able to offer you more value. 
right? You'll be able to get more of the cards you want for a better price and you can sell off the cards you don't want to recoup the money that you put out there. Um, now you still have to be smart. I would say a full case at retail generally is a bad idea. Um, like I said, pre-order, get your discounts. A lot of times, if you look in the right places, you can find pre-orders for under $900. If you can pre-order a case for $900, I think that is a good deal. Um, a lot of places are around the 850 mark right now, um, but you can get better. Just recently, Game Nerds put um, boxes of the new setup for, I think, like $60 a box for Realm of the Gods pre-order. I mean, you buy 12 boxes, that's a case worth of product. That's like 720 bucks or something. That's crazy. That's an insanely, insanely good price. Actually, I don't know if I've ever seen a price that good. Um, so yeah, just make sure your eyes are open. You're looking in the right places and talk to your local game stores. Just say, hey, you know, what can you do for me? And uh, maybe they'll be able to work out a deal if you pre-order enough product from them. Um, it's always best to support your local game stores to keep them in business. Sometimes people will spend a little bit more just to pre-order at their local game stores just to help them out, which I think is a great thing. But regardless, whatever your case, what, you know, whatever your case is, we want to make sure that you are getting the most bang for your buck. So, you know, shop around, do what's best for you and just keep your eyes and ears open. Use the community, ask around, see who's got the cases for sale. And usually someone can help you out if you're early enough. If you wait for the reveals of a set, you are always, almost always too late. You have to get this stuff early, guys. So like I said, you have to stay in tune with the community. Keep your eyes peeled and pre-order quickly so you do not miss out. Um, so that's that's my advice. I would say anything over $900 is pretty risky. You've got to really believe in the set or really want a lot of the cards from the set to make that worth it. Um, anything under $900 you should consider. Now, it doesn't mean you automatically buy it and there's no guarantee you can make your money back. I always throw this disclaimer out there. Everything I talk about is for entertainment purposes only. None of this is financial advice. Make your own decisions. Any money you put into this game can easily be sunk money that you will never get back. So just keep that in mind. Um, but you know, you have to do what you think is best. And the best way to do that is ask, especially when you're newer, ask the community. The Hermistyle Discord is the best place to do that. We'll always give you an honest opinion on what we think of a set. And then you can use all the feedback you get and make the best decision for you. Just think about it early and do what you need to do. Um, okay, so everything else when we're not talking about a full set is really preference. Pre-order is still always king. You'll always find the best deals on pre-order, but it's really up to you. You know, look at what's coming out in the set and see if you want it. Uh, for example, for me personally, I always get anniversary boxes because I love the product. It is my favorite product that Dragon Ball puts out. I think the texture and foiling they use on those cards is just, it's just amazing. It's better than almost anything else in the game. So I always, always, always pick up a bunch of anniversary boxes on pre-order. I don't even need to see the cards revealed. Um, on the other hand, there's been some expansions and some starter decks that I've just passed on because I just don't want the cards and I just don't really care about it. And the nice thing about sets that are, uh, well, I won't even say sets, but products like starter decks, expansion decks, and things like that, not always, but a lot of the times you don't need to be as early as a full set on. They aren't usually as hot of a product that moves, so you do have a little bit more time to think about it. And a lot of times you can wait to see what the cards are that are revealed, but 
obviously do it at your own risk. They can sell it at any time and be quick. You know, if you see the cards revealed and you're like, okay, cool. I want this product. Get it now. You know, get it now. Um, for example, the Vigex starter deck, I knew I wanted that. Like, there's no way I didn't want it. As soon as I saw the cards that were in it, I was like, boom, we're, we're like, we're pre-ordering two starter decks and getting all the cards we need from it. Um, so with sealed product that isn't full sets, you also want to make sure you understand the ratios of the product. For example, um, most recently with the, we'll talk about the anniversary box, right? If you just wanted a play set of every non-foil card of the new cards from the set, you had to buy two. If you bought two, you had a play set of every card. So understand how many of each card come in a set. And if you're just looking as a player to get your play sets, a lot of times you'll need to buy multiple of that product. So know how many that is and then decide if it's worth it for you. Um, but yeah, just, you know, make smart decisions and have knowledge on what you're buying. Don't just see, oh, everyone's buying this. I'll buy it too. Look at the cards in it. Look at what comes in it. Make sure it makes sense. Okay. So, and I'll be honest, guys, players really don't need to buy that much sealed product if they don't want to. It's really not necessary to play this game. Um, you don't have to buy every single product that comes out. And a lot of times lately with new sets, there's only a few cards that you need for whatever deck you're playing. Um, so ultimately, in a lot of sets, you really don't need to buy a lot of sealed product. Um, like if you're like, man, cases are are just out of question for me, eh, don't worry about it. You know, you really don't have to buy any sealed product. You can do it all based off singles, which we'll get into in just a moment. And then um, the last thing I'll say is talking about collectors. Um, they probably as collectors, you know, cases at a good price, if you're doing a lot of buying and selling can always be worth it. And it is nice to pull the cards yourself. So you already know what they are. Um, I know with collectors, a lot of times you guys want to get multiple of a certain card. So that way you can grade it. You know, like, um, I know some collectors, if they have a card they want to grade, they'll try and get 10, 15 copies of it and then send it in and they'll send all at the same time. So if you're trying to do that, Maybe it's not worth it because that's a ton of sealed product to pull all that on your own. Maybe better to just buy singles. Uh, but again, I'm not the most knowledgeable, but I think all the advice I gave is pretty universal. If you have the time to put into it and the funds to put down, a case at the right price can always be a really good value. In my personal experience, I would say, I'll say 85% of the time, 90% of the time. I don't spend money on Dragon Ball with sets. I don't. Um, whatever I buy off my case, I can typically, if I want to, I can make it back. Now, if I'm greedy and I want to keep more of the cards, and sure, I might not make all the money back, but you also have to consider the value of the card. So for me, I've always at least broken even where whether I would have bought only the singles or bought my case and sold, I would have ended up either the same way or better off if I bought the case. Now, obviously, that you know, those experiences can vary. Not everyone will have the same experience. Um, I've been selling and buying for pretty much since the start of the game. So I build up a reputation and have a wider audience that I can promote to when I'm selling, which you may not have that at your disposal. So you have to consider that as well. Um, but we'll get into more and how you can get around that when we get into the selling piece. Um, but the only other thing I'll say is you also have to keep in mind when you are going to get the product. Um, prices in this game go down drastically after release, at least historically they do. So if you know you will not be able to receive your product, have it in your hands on release day, 
then you need to question, is it worth it? You really have to think about, is it worth it? Because every day that goes by that you don't receive your product, it's definitely you're losing money, you're losing value, and it becomes riskier and riskier. So if you're buying online, even at a good price, just make sure it makes sense. Be smart about your buying decisions. You know, um, like I talked about game nerds. I really, really, really have faith in this next set. So I'm personally buying a lot of product. I'm currently at four cases of realm of the gods, but I really believe in it. That could be a huge mistake. We will find out soon. Um, so I'm willing to take that gamble and let that product come in. I know they have to ship it, so it's not going to be here on release day. I just think that this product is good enough with the God Rare that, man, if you pull it, I think it's worth it. Um, but that's a risk. So you have to take that into consideration. Um, ultimately, it is always best if you can get your product on or before release day. Okay, so I think that is everything I have to say for Sealed. Um, I just really wanted to stress there at the end the risk of buying cases and not having on release day because historically prices really do tank. So I just want to make sure I get that out there for those of you listening. I don't want you to just think, oh man, I'll buy a case of anything. No, 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 no. It <laughs> has to be a new set coming out and you want it as fast as possible. Um, so just want to make sure that's very clear. But yeah, let's let's move on to the singles market. So singles, I think, will apply to more of the listeners. Um, I know a lot of people aren't willing or don't have the funds to put down on cases or even multiple cases. And maybe at this point you've realized, hey, a single box, maybe that isn't worth it um, to spend all that money and potentially lose half of it. So I think a lot of people will be in this boat with um, needing to go the singles route when you're buying. So I think the first thing to know about singles is where do you look, right? Um, I would say a really great place to start is, and this is a shameless plug, but is actually true advice, is the Hermit Style Discord. Our marketplace has gotten pretty big and we do a fantastic job at moderating and making sure everyone is reputable. One of the ways we do that is you actually have to hit level seven in our discord just to gain access to it and to gain access and hit level seven, that actually does take a little bit of time. Um, so usually if there's a scammer, they aren't going to actually take the time to sit and communicate and, you know, be friends with everyone, socialize with everyone for long enough that they would actually even gain access, um, to the marketplace. And then, um, on top of that, we immediately ban anyone who's ever, done any kind of scamming, theft, anything like that. Um, so I would say our Discord is a great place to find good prices to purchase cards. Um, ultimately, though, we don't actually facilitate any sales. Um, so it's strictly between you and whoever the person selling the card is. It's a private transaction. We don't have anything to do with it. We don't hold any liability on it. If it doesn't go smooth, that's on you. You have to take it up with that person. Obviously, let us know because if someone scanned you, we got to ban them. Um, but, you know, that that is what it is. It, it'll ultimately be a transaction between you and that person. Um, now, we will talk about in this episode how to avoid getting scammed later on, but just wanted to make sure that that is clear. Um, other places you can go to buy singles, you can go to the Facebook groups. There's Majin Boost Candy Shop, and there is also the DBS TCG Auction Center where you can bid on live auctions on Facebook. Uh, there is the Zeno Black Market. 
uh, which is a really good one. And there is also Master Roshi's Black Room Deals. Uh, those are all good groups to find. There's a lot of activity in those groups with people listing cards uh, where you can go and try and find what you need. I will say, as always, just like with Discord, do it at your own risk. I have had personally a lot more trouble with people trying to scam and things like that on Facebook. Ultimately, it's a much wider range of people that you're reaching out to. And the wider that range goes, also the less qualified you have to be to enter, um, the more at risk you are. So be smart. And again, we'll get more into how to avoid scamming later. Uh, but I would say I try to use them sparingly myself. Some people use them all the time, and that's great. Uh, for me, it's just not really worth the time or the hassle when I have the Discord. And I also have what we'll talk about next, TCG Player. Um, TCG Player is a great place to buy cards if you can't find them in the groups and you can't find them on Discord. TCG Player is an excellent place to just pick up your singles quickly. And actually, a really cool thing is if you are going to buy a TCG Player, we have an affiliate link. You can use it. It's in the description of this episode. It's also in the Discord. We would really appreciate it if anytime you do buy TCG Player cards, you use our link because it actually supports the podcast. Um, so, you know, if you can't find them at a deal, Use our link, use TCG Player. You can pretty much always pick up whatever cards you need from there, and it actually will support the podcast if you use our affiliate link. Now, that being said, use Google. It is, like, shocking how many people do not use Google or other places to try and find cards. It's like if they can't find them for cheaper in the groups, they just immediately buy on TCG Player. Just Google the damn card. <laughs> Just look it up. Um, the funniest thing to me was I was talking to a friend of mine. I won't name his name. Uh, but I was talking to a friend of mine who this was recently after the whole big draft box buyout, right? Like draft boxes exploded. All of a sudden, everyone wanted them. They were like insane prices for draft boxes. Some of them like triple the actual retail value of the box you could get. And um, they were sold out. You couldn't find them. Well, if you Googled, there were tons of stores still selling them online for a normal retail price. My friend picked up like 20 of them. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, and all he did was Google. Uh, so yeah, just if you need a card, throw it in the Google search and see what comes up. There's a lot of other websites you can buy from. Um, there's cool stuff. You have Core TCG. You have Troll and Toad. Hell, even Amazon you can find Dragon Ball singles. A lot of people don't know that. You can, I've done it before. <laughs> There's been a time where there was a big buyout of a card and it was for astronomically high prices on TCG player. And I found it at, on Amazon for less than, for more than half off. I mean, it was crazy. So be smart, use Google, use other sites. TCG player isn't the end all be all. I will say a lot of times you will find the best prices. It is easy. There are differing levels of quality you'll get between sellers. So I would say make sure you're smart, use reviews, um, you know, make sure that you are purchasing from someone reputable as always. But, um, but yeah, T TCG player is typically the go-to. Just make sure it's not the only thing you check because you might be losing out on other places where you can buy cards. All right. And then speaking of buyouts, don't pay a hype price after a buyout unless you're really desperate and need the card for an event that's coming up. Um, you know, when there's a buyout, just wait it out. I know it sucks. You want the card, but ultimately you're going to lose out 
you're going to lose out big if you pay these crazy hype prices, you know? Um, perfect example, uh, Gogeta, Marshall Melee, the SPR got bought out at $20. Um, and then it started selling at like 40 30 for days, and then it went back down to 20 <laughs> So like, just, just wait, you know, if there is a big buyout, a lot of times the price will come back down. Not always, you know? And again, you're, this is a recurring theme throughout this episode. Just communicate, talk to the community, see what the community's input is, and then make the decision that's best for you. You know, there isn't a, there isn't universal advice when it comes to that, um, because maybe the price just continues to go up after the buyout. That has happened before. I would say it's not very common. Um, and it's typically only on cards that are more limited. Like maybe it's a draft box card that never got reprinted. Yeah. If that got bought out and it's playable, it might be a while, long while before that comes back down. Um, but most of the time you will see prices. It may not go as low as it was, but you'll see it level out. You'll see it drop down. Um, so yeah, just, just be smart. And I just hate to see people pay the hype price off a new buyout, especially when sets get revealed, man, sets get revealed and the most random cards get bought out the most random cards just for no reason. And, um, like not even tested or true yet. A lot of times they're not even good, but the buyouts happen. <laughs> uh, perfect example, Toki Toki city. And I think most people listening are going, what <laughs> is that a card? Yes, that is a card. It's an old card. And it randomly got bought out. I, oh man, I think it was it when the the black Kai leader got announced. Maybe, might have been then. I can't remember. There was something that got announced in some set, and people got real hype on the card and thought it would be broken. Card never saw any competitive relevance. I'm sure there's someone listening that said, "Oh, I beat everyone with that card. Cool, that's great. I'm proud of you." But in the grand scheme of things, in competitive tournaments, that card was really nowhere to be seen. Maybe someone had it in a top cut somewhere, sure. But regardless, it was not widely played whatsoever. And ultimately, the price spiked for like a day. A couple people got gypped and paid probably 10, 15 bucks for the foil when they really should have only paid no more than a dollar. Um, so just, just a perfect example of a hype buyout. It happens for a day. And then shortly thereafter, you'll see the price go from 15 down to 12, down to 10, down to five, down to four. And you'll just see the price start going back down until you decide, okay, that's more reasonable. I'm willing to pay that. Okay. Um, and then adding on to that, please don't pay pre-release prices unless there is a clear misvaluation of the market. Um, pre-release is always going to be more expensive. Now, look, Hey, if you're bougie, you got to have the cards immediately and you have no patience by all means. If you have the money, spend it, please. I'm more than happy because I usually have the cards available. So, you know, if, if you're a big spender, doesn't matter to you, by all means, hit me up. I'm happy to sell you cards at pre-release prices. Uh, <laughs> that being said, you should not do this. The pre-release prices are typically way more money than what the card will actually end up being. Um, usually the best time to buy a card, if like if, if you really need it, right? Like it's a new set, but you need it for your deck. It's like a week after release. If you wait till like a week after release, typically you'll find the best prices because now people have had the opportunity to get their product. People who bought online now have had enough time for it to ship. They've cracked it. They're all listing it. Now the market's getting flooded. and 
I tell you what, Dragon Ball, like no other game, people undercut like there's no other. People undercut like crazy. As soon as I post something on TCG Player, I swear someone is on there just, okay, I will go a penny under you. And then all of a sudden, a hundred more people a penny under you. Um, the, the undercutting is unreal in this game. So just wait. Wait a week after release. Let all the sellers undercut each other and then buy your cards at a low price. Um, the pre-release price is always, almost always going to be inflated unless there's a misevaluation, right? So I would say a really good example of this was the Kai SCR, um, Supreme Kai of Time. If you got this card on a pre-order, you probably got it cheaper than anyone will ever. Uh, I can't remember what the pre-release price was, but it was insanely low. It might have been like 150 I don't know. Um, it was really low, really, really low. Even now, I don't think it's gotten as low as the pre-release price was. Um, so that was a clear misevaluation that if you were testing, you're a competitive player, you know this card is good. Yeah, that would have been a really smart card to pre-order. Um, but ultimately, you got to make your shot. Like, you got to call your shot on that, right? Um, more often than not, the card will drop after the pre-release. Um, a good example of that is Pan. Pan is a great SCR. It's phenomenal. Pre-release, it was $300. $300. It has now dropped way lower than that, and it will probably continue to drop. Um, so anyone who paid that pre-release price, well, they really kind of just wasted money. Um, because that card definitely was going to go down. Now it was strong enough. You could have made the argument, Hey, there's a chance this goes up. I thought it was a definite possibility. Um, but again, ultimately right now today, the card is $233 is the current low price on TCG player. Um, so clearly it had a significant drop after that pre-release price. Um, but if you needed it, you needed it. Like I was playing in Nats. I needed the card. I was one of the people who pre-ordered at that price because I needed the card. Um, so, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta make sure you under, again, understand your goals, understand what you need and then make the best decision for you. For most people, if you weren't at Nats or you weren't playing that card at Nats, it was, there's no reason to pay $300 for an SCR. That's really just to be played. Um, so just keep all that in mind. Um, and more often than not, the price will drop after pre-release. Okay. Um, so we already talked about how after a week, about a week, usually after full reset release, you can usually find some, some good lower, lower prices, um, without having to wait too terribly long to play with your new cards. Um, that being said, I will now shift gears to collectors. Most of this has been more geared toward players, collectors with you guys. You have to buy your cards right away. Unfortunately, like you don't have to buy pre pre-order pre-release prices, but you have to buy basically on release day. And here's why. If you are a collector that cares about quality, in my experience, most collectors do. A lot of collectors are sending their cards off to get graded. Now, if you're a binder collector and don't care about quality, then all the same advice that I already said applies to you. But for collectors who are grading, you have to buy right away. Because if you wait, people have the cards out, they start getting warped. They have the cards, maybe they're moving them through different sleeves. They start getting scratched. Guys, it does not take long for these cards that maybe when they were pulled, pack fresh, maybe they were that BGS 10, maybe they were a black label. It doesn't take long for something to happen to that card. Um, and especially in the hands of us players, I can tell you we are not thinking about the things that you're thinking about when we open cards. 
<laughs> like we're not, we are not. Um, it, it, it's just the nature of the beast. Players are not trying to preserve the cards to keep it a pristine mint quality. They're just not. So if you want the card, you have to purchase it immediately. Don't give the players a chance to ruin them. Don't give the players a chance to play with them. Give them just enough time to throw it in a sleeve, throw it in a top loader, and ship it to you. Um, unfortunately, you will pay a little bit more having to buy at this time. But the good part in all that is that ultimately if you wait, right? So let's say you try to use the same advice I gave players and you wait. You will have to buy so many more copies of that card to try and find a good one that you'll end up spending way more and way more time and effort than you should than if you had just bought some right off the rip, like right off the bat. It's just, it's probably just worth it. Now, you know, do what's best for you. You want to take that gamble, you can. Um, but from a lot of the bigger collectors in the community, this is actually advice that they gave to me. <laughs> um, this is what they do. So I'm just kind of regurgitating what they've told me. Um, that's, that's the best advice that I can give you. Um, all right. So let's keep this rolling. Um, I would say also collectors, Instagram, a great place for you to find cards. Instagram is where the collectors are. That's where they hang out. That's where they socialize. Get in with them. Um, you know, if you follow the Hermistyle Instagram, you'll start quickly seeing the people I interact with. You'll start seeing the people who comment on my posts. Um, you'll see, you know, Top Sun Goku, you'll see No Collector, you'll see Trainer Sal, all these different people that are really big collectors. Um, and a lot of them sell cards. And if you use Instagram to buy from collectors, you will have a much more honest review of a card's quality than what a player will give you. Because I know before I really paid much attention to card quality, I still remember I was trying to sell a pre-release leader to a collector and I was like, yeah, cards in great quality. It looks excellent. And I sent him pictures and he pointed out all these different spots of like little edgeware that I literally had never noticed just because I never even took the time to check for those kinds of things. Um, so sometimes for collectors, if you can get in with the community and start buying from other collectors, it might be a little easier on yourself to try and find those more pristine cards because the collectors know what to look for. Um, okay. And then moving on with more collectors advice, it's really beneficial for you guys to understand players. Um, if a card is highly playable, you'll absolutely need to buy it right away or wait a very long time to get it at a good price. Right. Um, you gotta know when there's a collector's card that's also playable, like you gotta, that, that those are the cards to get on the pre-release prices. Like you gotta get those quick. Um, but other cards may be playable way later down the line. Like maybe it's a strong card. It's just not good in this format. Well, that's a really good card also to pick up maybe right at release because maybe in three months in the next format, this card's broken and all the players go to buy it and the price shoots way up. Well, as a collector, you wouldn't know that. So stay in tune with what the players are saying and it's okay to ask. You can ask me. I will always give you an honest opinion. But if there's just a just generically strong card that's not good now and it's a card that maybe in the future you collect, it's a good idea to pick that up now before players buy it up a few months later once the card is actually played in the format. Um, also, uh, I'll give you an example, actually. Divine Presence, the Sun Goku Divine Presence. I know there were collectors that wanted that card. It's just an SR, but there's no SPR variant. It's a Goku. It's pretty cool looking. Um, and some people wanted that card. Well, 
if you bought it earlier on, the card at one point was only like five bucks. But all of a sudden, someone took it to a tournament and did well with it, and that card became a red staple. And tons of people wanted it, and the price shot way up. Um, so that's a really good example that if you had asked any player, they probably would have told you, yeah, it looks like a good card. We're not playing it, but yeah, it looks strong. That's an indication to you, okay, let me pick this up. <laughs> Let's not wait. Um, okay. So my next tip, you know, we've gone over that waiting will almost always yield lower prices um, outside of maybe the most playable cards in a set. Um, but honestly, that's very few. Like, let's talk about Kefla from the last set, the SPR. That card is insane. Blue yellow decks are most likely playing Kefla. That card is broken. That card does so many things. It's only $5 right now. When it came out, it was like 20 or 25 bucks. Actually, I think it was 30 was the original pre-release price. It's only $5 right now, y'all. $5. That's crazy low. So this advice is really for everyone. Just understand that waiting in most of the time is going to have a lower price. And here's the way you have to look at it. If you wait on a card and it's a card that gets bought out constantly and you end up having to pay more because you wait it. Okay. Take that as an L. But remember all the W's you got when you wait it. I will 100% guarantee you that if you look at every single card, the cards that you waited on to buy, you will have saved so much more money that it's okay if you take a few L's along the way. It's part of the game, right? There's no guarantee on any of this. It's like I said earlier. So just know that if you're a numbers person and you're a ratio person and you want the best probability, it's probably going to be to wait to find a better price. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about secret rares. Um, any secret rare, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, this has this number has no merit to it. <laughs> this is just my opinion. Any SCR under $100 is a great price. If I see an SCR that I want and it's under $100, I'm buying it. I think that is a great price for any secret rare. Um, obviously, know how rare they are. When we see a set like, I think Battle Evolutions was Heroine's Lineage. I'm pretty sure that card was four SCRs in a case and it was the same one. So, you know, that SCR, maybe you want to find it at a better price. But for a normal SCR with normal pool rates, which in today's world is you have two SCRs in a case and there's three SCRs total you can pull. So you will get two. You might get a double. So you might pull two of the same one or you might pull two, two different ones. But those are your pool rates. Anything like that, I think under $100, an amazing deal. And it happens. If you wait long enough, there are SCRs that drop. Um, so it will vary, though, when you're talking about different strategies of picking SCRs up. Um, as always, being tied to the community is a great way to understand when to buy. Uh, I'll break it down in a few different ways, right? If it's an SCR that is a main attraction for collectors, a main attraction for collectors, right? Players, you got to wait. You got to wait. Let the collectors buy them. Let them buy the pristine copies. Eventually, it'll come back down. If it's not a card that's playable, once the collectors are done doing their thing, product is still going to get opened. Remember, that the collectors just want the pristine copies, guys. That SCR is going to come back down. Perfect example of this, Goku Frieza. At one point on release, went up to $600. Since then, I've seen copies able to be picked up at 200 <laughs> It's because that card 
I mean, yeah, you can argue it's a strong card, whatever, but it's not playable. No one's playing that card for real. Like, look at Nats, right? Like, there's no Nats list playing the Goku Frieza SCR. I think the card is actually pretty strong. There are some decks that can play it that are sleepers out there, but it's not a meta card, right? It's a collector's card. So when it's a card like that, players, you got to wait. Collectors, you know, fight it out amongst yourselves, you know, pick it up quick, I guess. Try it. (laughs) Hopefully you find it at a good price. Um, All right. So next, a main attraction for players. Okay. If this is a card that's a main for players, what we've seen from Kai has set a precedent that if it's a solid pre-order price, pick it up or wait shortly after release, but do not wait too long. Because once all this product gets opened and all the SCRs have been bought, man, the resale prices and it's a playable card are going to be through the roof, right? We've seen it with Baby Hatch. We've seen it with Supreme Kai. Um, we've seen it with multiple different SCRs that are just generically powerful for a strategy or a color. If it's a main for players, look guys, and you're a player, pre-order it at a good price or you got to buy it right after release. That's Those are your two options. If you wait too long, it is going to cost you way more money. Now collectors, if you just want the card, you're going to have to wait this one out a long time. <laughs> you know, if, if Baby Hatch is a card that you wanted to collect, I can tell you there will be a day. I don't know when. <laughs> but there will be a day when that is not the SCR of choice for blue players. Maybe it's the day that card gets banned. I don't know. Maybe it's the day that this game moves to what, you know, no one wants to talk about rotation. Um, if that ever happens, right? But regardless, at some point, they're going to power creep it. It'll get banned. Something will happen where Baby Hatch is not the SCR to be played. And then the prices will fall. And then at that point, you can pick it up. Now, if you're a collector that grades cards, again, you're in a tough spot. Anytime it's a main for players, you're in a tough spot because most of them will be played and it will be very hard to find one in good condition. So at that point, it's really just up to you. But if you buy it right away, you will be paying at a higher premium. All right. And then if it's a main card for both, if it's a main card for both players and collectors, <laughs> fight it out, guys. Buy it however you can. There's no advice I can give there. If it's a main for everybody, everybody wants the card. It's going to be highly desired. There's no advice I can give you. Pick it up. (laughs) Pick it up while product is still being opened. That's the only advice I can give. Because as soon as product is done being open and people aren't still pulling the card, it's going to be a lot. Okay. And I think like this God Rare, that could be one. That Vegeta, it's playable. And I think God Rare is Vegeta. Oh boy. Oh boy, <laughs> that card's going to be insanely high priced. So however you can get it, get it. For me, God Rares, I'm trying to pick it up on release. I've heard collectors saying the card could be worth 500 to $600. I can tell you one thing, even if I don't have any money, I'll pick it up $500 cash from anyone who wants to sell to me on release day. 500 straight up is yours. <laughs> I'll... I'll I don't, I'll, I'll take a loan or something. I don't know, but I will pick up that card because I think it's going to personally be worth way more than that. Uh, but we'll see, right? We'll see. Uh, but regardless, like I said, you just pick it up how you can. Now, if this is a main card for neither players nor collectors, but you just want the card, just wait it out. Wait it out a set or two. Wait till all the packs have been opened and everyone's trying to sell it and can't. 
and everyone's going back to undercutting each other, you'll see prices drop dramatically. You'll be able to pick it up for a good price. The only caveat to this, again, collectors, if you're grading cards, you got to pick it up right away, but you should be able to find it still at a good price if it's not a main SCR for players. Okay, so moving into the next piece here, etiquette. So etiquette for buyers, one, respect. Just be respectful. I don't understand why people have to be jerks when it comes to buying or selling, whatever. Just be respectful to people. Um, if you message a seller wanting a card, you should be intending to buy that card. Please, please, for the love of God, do not message me with no intent to buy whatever I'm selling. No, I do not want to have a conversation with you about this card if you don't want to buy it. Sorry if that comes across rude, but if I'm trying to sell a card, I, that, that is very clearly what I'm trying to do. Um, so if you want to buy it, message and intend to buy. Now, if you can't work out a price that both parties agree on, that's, that's a whole other thing that's fine, you know? Then it is what it is. Both people go their separate ways. But you should at least be intending to pick up the card. Um, let's be real. No one likes a serious haggler. You know, haggling is going to be part of it. Negotiating is part of it. You know, there's going to be back and forth some offers, but at some point you got to just agree on a price that prices for 99% of the cars in Dragon Ball. We know what they are. We see sales every day on eBay and TCG player. We know what the cards go for. So don't, I mean, you know, I have people on TCG, or I'm sorry, not TCG player. I have people on Facebook sometimes when I sell on Facebook. I'll already be selling it 20% off and they'll want another 20. And I'm like, come on guys, you know, that's not reasonable. And they just won't let off of it. And we just have this long conversation that goes nowhere. And you know what? Maybe every now and then you win. Maybe you get a seller way down. But what I can guarantee you is you're making a terrible name for yourself. You're just completely ruining your reputation in the marketplace. And that seller's not going to want to do business with you again. I've had people haggle me where I just really needed to move the card and I sold it to them. And then you know what I did once I confirmed they got the card? I blocked them because I don't care. I don't ever want to do business with you again. So, you know, negotiate a little bit. If they're at one price point, maybe they're only 15% off and you want 20% off, you know, sure, ask them. But please don't keep going back and forth for endless, endless, endless offers and counter offers. It's just dumb. <laughs> that's, that's as real as I can be with you guys. Um, speaking of the percentages, you should basically on a normal card. So basically anything under SCR rarity or isn't highly, uh, highly like limited promo, you should expect at least 15% off the current TCG player low. If there's someone selling a card, they should typically be selling for that because after fees, you on average, we'll lose about 13 to 15% from TCG player. Um, and that comes from the set fee they have plus the percentage they take. So knowing that a lot of times what people will do is just take off what they would lose from selling on TCG player and then let you, um, the buyer, benefit. So that's what you should expect, right? If it's a higher end card, like a secret rare, you may only see 10% off. That way both parties benefit and there's nothing wrong with that, right? They save a little bit of the money from the fees and you also save money than if you had just bought the card at the normal price. Um, now, one thing I'll say is collectors, if you are buying from a reputable collector who has listed the card as mint, they may be demanding a premium. It may be even a little bit above TCG low and no, this is not wrong and it is not rude. If they know this card is mint, 
then they have the right to charge that premium, right? Um, and honestly, that's helpful for you as a collector. I would much rather as a collector spend another five or six bucks to know that, hey, I'm, I know I'm at least getting that BGS 9.5, but it's probably a 10 and I've got a chance at a black label, right? Like I'd much rather do that than send in cards and get eights, eight fives, nines, right? Like I want to at least get that gold from BGS, right? I want to get that gold label. I will at least want to get the 9.5. Um, and if they're saying, yeah, I think it's a 10 and they're reputable, then you got a good shot. They really think it's a 10. Um, so, you know, I will say that's the only thing um, where you may not want to expect that 15 or 10% off. Um, at that point, they, they may charge that premium, which again, is perfectly fine. Now, I'll say typically within the community, um, like at least in our Discord, 20% uh, off is pretty much the standard. I see most people give 20 to 25% off, uh, which is really cool. I think all of us in the Discord just kind of look out for each other and uh, we've worked Kind of, you know, we're like a family in there. So we all try and just help each other get the cards we need. Uh, most of us aren't just in it for just the profits. You know, even me as, as a store, I still love the game, you know, and I help people get cards all the time. I sold cards to someone the other day who just really needed them. I took like 30% off. I was like, you know what, man, we'll, we'll just make the deal happen. So now don't come at me and just expect 30% off everything. <laughs> but every now and then, you know, I, I give some pretty crazy deals. And sometimes I do things where I'll say, hey, today only I'm doing all cards at 32% off. I've done that multiple times where I just say 32% off everything, whatever you need. Uh, so be on the lookout for that for sure. But, you know, when you get into the communities like ours, we tend to look out for each other and that can be a big benefit to you as a buyer. Um, but more etiquette, I would say pay immediately. If you buy a card, be ready to purchase right away. Please don't agree on a price and then say, can I pay in a few days? Oh my gosh. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Look, I'm going to be brutally honest with you all. If you do not have the money to buy that card right then, you probably should not be buying trading cards. You probably need to restructure your priorities. I, like, I'm going to be real, real, real honest with you guys. Now, there's some of you that I talk to and I know that you're trying to sell cards to get the money and then keep that money in your PayPal and then use that. to. Okay, I understand if we do business a lot, this doesn't apply to you. But for people who literally are like, look, I'm completely broke. I have no money. Can I please pay you in two days? Like you, You're making me feel bad. You're making me feel bad because... <laughs> like your priority should not be on cards right now. And ultimately now you're inconveniencing me when I could be selling to someone who can pay right away. So if you are going to buy either be upfront and say, Hey, you know, I will not be able to pay until this date before you enter negotiations and make them look for cards or just don't hit them up. Wait till you actually have the money to buy cards. And once you're in a place where you can buy cards, cool. Then enter transactions and be ready to pay right away. All right. When you give your mailing address, that includes your name, everybody. <laughs> that includes your name. It's so funny. I, all the time people message me. I think it's because people forget that we're on Discord and I don't know your full name. Like, I promise you, I know your Discord name. I know who you are. Maybe we talk all the time. I most likely don't remember your full name. I just don't. We have 1,100 people now in the Discord. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry. I just, and I know a lot of you know my name because you listen to this podcast, which is really, really dope, but I probably don't know yours. When a seller asks for your mailing address, just put your name in there and put the name that it needs to be mailed to because sometimes it's not always the same name, right? And 
as a seller, we don't know. We don't know who to mail this to. So just to save time, put your mailing address. I'll give you a pro tip. If you're on an iPhone, because you know, team iPhone, got to be on team iPhone. Uh, you can go into your keyboard shortcuts and you can put your full address with your name and just make it the shortcut, whatever you want. I use mine as ADR. Like if you guys have ever asked me for my address and want to know how I get it so fast, it's because I literally type ADR and hit space and it auto fills in my phone. So pro tip, if you're doing a lot of transactions, that will save you a lot of time and stop you from having to type out your name and address every single time. Um, okay, so let's keep this rolling here. Let's see, I've been scrolling on my phone, so now I missed my place. <laughs> uh, okay, so, all right. We're talking about etiquette. Please do not hit people up who you don't know if they have the cards for sale and just say, do you have stuff for this deck? When you say that, that could be so many different cards. And here's what happens. Here's what happens every time. I'm going to tell you right now. Someone will hit me up and say, hey, I need cards for, I'll just make up a deck, King Piccolo, right? I'll pull out all the cards for King Piccolo that I think are good and say, yep, here's all of them. And they'll say, okay, I need those two. Dog, I just pulled out 50 cards and you need two? Why did you not just tell me you needed those two cards? That is the, oh my gosh, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. Please do not message a seller and say, I need this stuff. Just know what you want. Make a list, send it to the seller. It, you know, if it's someone who, you know, like there's nothing wrong with you guys hitting me up and saying, Hey, do you have these cards? Because a lot of times I do have them because my inventory right now is over a hundred thousand. I literally have over a hundred thousand cards in my room right now. So chances are a lot of times I do have the card you're looking for. So if you hit me up, no problem, but tell me what you want, please, please, please just tell me what you want. Just don't be, don't be vague. Just say, I need three of this card, two of that card, one of that card. Cause then the other thing I, that's really annoying for sellers is I say, I just need some of this card. Well, what, what is some <laughs> like if I have 10, are you going to buy all 10, <laughs> you know? So just be specific in what you want that helps save time for everybody and helps for a smoother transaction. Um, okay. If you have bought plain white envelope, you need to be patient. Please be patient wherever you bought from TCG player through the groups, through the discord, if you decided to buy plain white envelope or on TCG player, that means if you paid under $50, got to be patient. Okay. The mail is slow guys. The mail is slow. And I know, I know that you ordered something after you ordered for me and that order came first. I know, you know why there are literally thousands of post offices and thousands of different mail routes. And I mean, that's a way uh, hundreds of thousands, right? Of different routes that that mail can go through. Okay. <laughs> if you order from someone who lives in a neighboring state and then you order for me from across the country, uh, yes, my, mine will take longer to get to you. And you know what? Sometimes the mail is just slow. I cannot help that. I cannot help how fast they process it. No seller can. So please be patient with plain white envelope. If you contact the, U the United States Postal Service, they will tell you 30 days. I know TCG player says 12 to 15. I think that's a terrible standard to be completely honest with you. Hey, I get it. It sucks. I've been on the bad end of that before, but that's a problem with the postal service. It's not a problem with your seller. Now, if your seller, you think maybe didn't send the cards, that's another story. But once they sent the cards and they have the video of them dropping it off in the mailbox, look like wait a month. I'm sorry. If you wanted to do plain white envelope, that is the choice you made to save three bucks. Okay. 
So look, if $3 was worth that weight, then it was worth it for you. That's cool. You saved the money. But please don't complain about slow shipping because it is out of our control. It's out of all sellers' control. So please remember that etiquette. And if a package gets lost, that is on you. That is on the buyer. Now, if you're buying from like a big store, sure, they'll eat it. You know, if you buy from me on TCG Player, I'll eat it because I want to make sure you have a good experience. But I'm talking when you're buying in the groups on Discord, that's on you. You decided to take the risk of Playmate Envelope. If it were up to me, I would never ship anything Playmate Envelope. But unfortunately, people are cheap and want to use it. So it is what it is. No, you know, and no, uh, no shame. You know, I'm not trying to, to throw shade to anybody who does it. I know a lot of people I do business with do Playmate Envelope. Um, and if you're one of those people and you don't care if it gets lost, then you know what? That's perfectly fine. But please don't be that person that only wants to do plain white envelope and then is going to throw a bitch fit when your package gets lost. Okay. You took that risk. That is on you. And that's where I like, you cannot convince me otherwise. Uh, that is completely on you. Uh, pro tip though, if you are on TCG player, $50 or more has to be tracked mandatory. $20 or more is strongly encouraged. I will always track every order $20 or more. Um, so just, just another little tip in there. Uh, as a buyer, if you are buying from a website like TCG Player, please leave a review for the seller. If you experience great service, it is helpful. If you experience bad service, it is helpful. You know, um, sellers need to know if they're not doing a good job. And I can tell you what, a bad review is going to fix it. And if, you know, the um, if the seller did a great job, let them know. That, that helps the seller to continue doing business. So leaving reviews does really help. And it helps to make the community aware of who to buy to and maybe who to avoid. And hey, if you leave a bad review and they make it right, change it. Change it to a good review. Let them know, hey, I appreciate it. I'm leaving you a good review now because you fixed this. Um, that's the right thing to do. All right. If there is an issue, message the person and try to reach an amicable solution before you go throwing complaints and calling them out. Okay. I can tell you most people have good intentions and their mistakes happen. If there's an issue with your order, don't assume the worst message them and see what they will do to help you make it right. If they will not respond to you, make sure you make the multiple attempts. Don't just message them once. Maybe they missed your message, message them a few times and wait at least 48 business hours. I've seen before people make complaints because they message on Friday night and they make the complaint Sunday. We got lives. Okay. I'll be honest with you guys. If you order Friday night, I'm not checking till Monday. Unless I'm like real bored on Saturday, I'm not checking. I'm not shipping out till Monday. I, I, I have a life. Okay. Every seller does. So it's just unreasonable to expect people to work 24 seven every single day of the week. All right. Give them time. Wait, if you have a complaint that you want to make and it happened on Friday, at least wait till Tuesday, end of the day, because things happen. Sometimes we aren't all attached to our phones and able to message back right away. And you have to remember that TCG player sellers aren't always big stores. In fact, I'd say probably 90% of them are just people selling carts. They're hobbyists. So show some respect. You know, I know it's frustrating if there's an issue, but most people will make it right. And you know what? If they don't, then use the proper channels to make sure that you protect yourself and get what you need, which actually we will get into that shortly. Um, okay. So let's see here. 
Um, speaking of which, if your cards are not properly packaged, make sure you do say something. That is a big thing for me. I take time to make sure that my cards are packaged well. Um, and feel free to leave it in a review. Message the seller. Let them know, hey, this is <laughs> this is bull. Why did you put this in just a sleeve and nothing else, right? Packaging should be adequate, which we'll also get into when we talk about selling. Um, but also keep in mind what you bought. If you guys buy a 70 cent card for me and that's it, first of all, I don't make any money really. I make maybe 10 cents, okay? I'm not going to waste that money on a top loader. I'll be honest with you. I am going to find a small piece of cardboard. I'm going to put the card in a sleeve. I'm going to tape it to the cardboard and I'm going to put one of my business cards in front of it so the card's protected from both sides. You've got cardboard in front, cardboard on bottom. It goes in an envelope and I'm putting one stamp on it and I'm not putting the non-machinable stamp on it. That's what I do, okay? You guys can be mad at me if you want, but ultimately you're buying one 70 cent card, okay? It's just not worth it for sellers to go through and give you premium packaging to lose money, okay? So if that is a concern for you, then you need to up your order. And that's that's just being real honest or you need to private them, private message them and offer to pay for more. Now, that being said, anything over a dollar will always, for me at least, come in some sort of hard shell um, completely like a top loader or a shipping shield. Um, and I think anyone who has bought from me knows I take a lot of time to make sure my cards are perfectly packaged every time. Even the card with the cardboard, the business card in front and the tape that's still packaged in a way where the card can't move and it is fully protected. Okay. If you buy an expensive card from me, my packaging will go up because it should. You know, if you buy a $500 card from me, that thing is going to have multiple top loaders. It's going to be sealed in plastic. It's going to probably have bubble wrap and it's going to be in a bubble wrap envelope, maybe even two envelopes. Like we're going all out, right? Um, but either way, make sure that it is properly packaged and just keep in mind how much you paid, right? You shouldn't expect premium packaging on a 70 cent card, but if you spent $20, then yeah, I would expect my cards at least at the very least in a top loader with some kind of seal over top. So the card can't come out. Okay. Uh, always report any scammers or shady business. I think that's obvious. Um, when you want to do business with a seller, you need to make sure that they are reputable. Um, especially if it's, you know, someone from the groups or from discord. Uh, if you do not know the person, you always need to make sure that you protect yourself. So what I usually do is I will ask and I will personally ask in private. Um, so at this point, what I do is I have, I, I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that are in the community. So the first thing I do is if I don't have mutual friends with you, I don't buy from you. That's just my new rule. I just won't do it. I'm friends with enough people that if you do business in this card game, I will not buy from you. If you guys ever want to do business with someone and want to know if I have, if I'm mutually friends with them or anything like that, uh, or if that person has mutual friends of mine, feel free to ask me. I'm, I'm happy to let you know. Uh, but that's just one thing I do to protect myself. And then I go a step further. Typically, if I've never done business with that person, I will privately message my mutual friend and say, Hey, is this person legit? Have you ever done business with them? Do you know them? And um, that's my way of doing a ref check, uh, reference check. And that way I know I get an honest opinion from someone that I trust. The issue with doing a public reference check is if it is a scammer, they can just have their friends jump on and say, oh yeah, he's very reputable. And then all of a sudden you get scammed because that guy actually was not reputable. 
public reference checks are usually just I they're just I just don't think they're very valid. You can do them. People have done them on me, and I usually get a large response because I've done a lot of business. And you know, if someone is a larger seller, they will get a lot of responses. But it's just tough. If you're already suspecting them of not being reputable, that's a huge red flag. You need to have some way to confirm it. And those are the practices that I use to make sure that I don't ever get scammed. And hey, maybe it means I miss out on a deal. Maybe that person was reputable, but that's what personally helps me sleep at night. So go to whatever measure you feel you need to do, but those are the measures that I take in that regard. All right, so moving on, let's see here. Um, okay. And then the last piece before we move on to selling is going to be, don't fall for the common scams, uh, the common scams. And there's so many different scams that people have, but I'll go over some of the common ones that I've seen. Uh, one, if you are buying, um, basically if the seller insists on using friends and family and you are not able to ref check them and you're not able to see any kind of reference point from anyone you trust, that is a potential scam. Because at that point, once you send friends and family, that money is lost. You can't get it back. If they decide not to send the card, you are SOL. Now I use friends and family all the time to buy cards but I do it with people that I trust. I do it with people in the Discord. I do it with people that I've privately ref checked. If you cannot reference this person, you do not know them, you do not have mutual friends, I would only ever do goods and services. Now that's just me. Um, but you know, you have to be smart. You have to protect yourself. And a common scam, scammers will just say friends and family only and then just not send the card. They'll keep doing it till they get called out they'll get blocked and then they just make a new account and keep doing it. So it is what it is. It's part of it. If you do, if you take the steps that we've talked about to protect yourself, that will never happen to you. Um, another common scam is requesting a down payment. It's kind of similar, you know, if the person isn't reputable, especially, um, and they insist that you pay something down first before you complete a transaction, like to hold it, or I don't know, people have wild ways to just ask you for money. Just, you know, don't send people money unless the transaction is final and you trust the person. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Um, okay. And then there's people who want to do like three-way transactions or maybe even get more parties involved. That's fine if you know everybody and you trust everyone. Sure. But when you don't know the people, no, get out of here. Do your transaction with whoever it is you need to do it with and then come back to me. And if I still want the card, I'll buy it. If I didn't get it, sorry, you missed out. That is what it is. Once you get multiple parties involved, things just get messy and you open yourself up to getting scammed. Again, this doesn't apply if you know the people, but if you don't know them, just don't do it. Um, and I think ultimately what I'm saying here is just buy from those you trust or you can confirm that they are trusted people. Um, when you do use goods and services, always videotape your opening. You have to have evidence to prove your claim, okay? If you don't, you can still get gypped. Videotape that, and when you videotape, make sure you can see clearly in the package. You can see who it was from. You can see who it was addressed to. You can see the tracking number, and that package never, no part of that package ever moves out of frame from your camera because then they could accuse you of swapping it for a different package. 
you have to make sure the video is clear, concise, has no cuts or edits, and is always has the entire package with no part of it missing in frame the entire time. That is the one of the best ways to protect yourself. Now, obviously, people are video editing wizards. They can still do things past that, but it, that is what it is. You know, you still... Taking that step usually is enough to prove any claim that you would want to make um, so long as it is valid. All right, and that will wrap up buying. And I think what we're going to do is this podcast is already running pretty long, so I'm going to actually break this out into multiple uh, segments. So we're going to cut it here. I will do another episode where I will break down everything for selling. Okay. That way I don't just ramble on for another whole hour <laughs> while we hit the selling part. But hopefully as a buyer, whether you are a veteran, whether you are a new player, whether you're a collector, hopefully these tips help. Hopefully it makes a little bit more sense on how to jump into buying within the Dragon Ball card game. And um, yeah, I just, I hope that helps. And if it did, let me know. And if you have more tips for buying that I did not go over, please let me know. This, you know, the podcast is now on YouTube, so you can drop YouTube comments. Um, of course, you can message in the Discord and, um, you know, anywhere you can. Just let me know what you think. Let me know if you have more tips you'd like to share. And uh, ultimately, the goal is to make it the best experience for everyone and make sure that everyone is making the smartest purchase, the smartest purchases they can. All right. Uh, but anyways, I will see you next time for selling. Let's hop into results of training. Results of training. Ooh, all right. I can feel my voice going. I've been talking so long. It's funny doing this podcast solo. It, uh, it, it wears on my voice a little bit more than when I had Mike with me. Uh, to, <laughs> I got more breaks. I got more breaks. I, don't, I try and do this in one shot. Believe it or not, I do very, very minimal actual like cuts and things. Um, I do edit the podcast a good bit. And use different uh, filters and things to make my voice sound clearer. So it's a better experience for you all. But whew, I'm feeling it right now. I'm feeling it. <laughs> and I ran out of water. But we're going to we're going <laughs> to we're going to try and make it. So results of training, of course, brought to you by ProMats, the best mats in the game. Go check them out. ProMats-Customs.com. The quality is incredible. You guys hear this spiel every single week, and I would not allow them to be a sponsor if I did not truly believe in their product. That is one thing I will guarantee. If look, if there's ever a sponsor I have and I don't believe in their product anymore, they're not a sponsor anymore if I don't think it's a quality product. But pro mats, you do not have to worry. The mats are incredible. Uh, I play online, like I say, every single week. The colors are super vibrant. Stitching's perfect. It's a nice thickness, and it's just it's smooth. It just feels good. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. You'll know if you have one. If you have one of the Hermit-style mats, you definitely know. Check them out, promats-customs.com. All right. So results of training for this week. Um, I've actually done quite a bit of testing. Uh, we, the team has started to dive into set 16. So I'll go over a little bit of our results here. Uh, Red U7, it's been testing very well. I think that is, personally, I think that's going to be a tier one deck. Uh, Red U7 seems very, very powerful, very consistent, and very easy to play. Um, and obviously easy is, uh, you take that with a grain of salt. Obviously that's subjective, but I think that players 
and compared to other decks they can play will have a better time and the deck is much more forgiving when you misplay than in maybe some other decks you could choose um so usually red just smashes yellow which has been mostly the case but i will say that new yellow vegeta trunks deck is super interesting and can do things to curve the match in their favor um, if they have everything going right for them, it can beat Red U7. So that's super, super interesting. Maybe that opens up a spot where that deck can compete. Uh, but I think that all of, I think both that deck and the new Zamasu, Zamasu deck are big contenders in the format, um, along with Icarus. But, you know, we've got to see where, what happens with the ban list. Obviously that will change these kinds of things. We are testing just as is. So keep that in mind. But yeah, I think all the new yellow decks are viable. I do think Red U7 beats most of them. I think it does beat Vegeta and Trunks, but I think that deck may have the best... Um, I think it may have the best matchup versus the deck. So could make things a little bit interesting there. Uh, other results of training. You guys know I'm testing Vigex. I'm always playing Vigex. <laughs> um, I started trying to make a more aggressive version again, and I just don't... I don't think it's going to work out. I think control is the way to play it. Um, I tried to make a mid-range version with that uses more overwhelm. I just didn't like it. I think Trunks is just a better, probably the better deck to do that with. Uh, so Vigex for me will probably remain a control deck. And what's really holding it back is its lack of widespread removal. Uh, you know, like we've got max power. Um, we've got Gogeta 8. Um, the problem is you can't always board Gogeta 8 when you would want to. So the removal is handicapped, I would say, in a way. You know, obviously it's not till turn four and a lot of times you can't tap out for it depending on the matchup. Um, and we lose access in the control board really to secret identity. It's going to be very, very tough to play secret identity in that build. So you can run it. It's not that you can't. It's just, man, there's so many turns where you just, it's offline because you won't be able to reset your deck. And I can assure you, you will reset your deck once in most matchups. Uh, the deck, it, it plays some long games. So that's an issue that we're trying to work on fixing. Um, we tested it, the set 16 version of Vigex that I built versus a set 16 version of Gogeta Xeno. Gogeta Xeno still has the edge in that matchup. Uh, it's pretty rough if they play on curve and it's pretty tough for us to get around it. Um, I will say that Versus the go wide decks we've tested against, like I played against Agents of Destruction, it just gets clapped. And that was like the big issue and why I didn't take it to Nats. Like it loses to Red Jiren, which can go really wide and go really fast. It loses to AOD, which can go really wide, really fast. It just doesn't have a good enough answer. And the really big issue is that both decks have the answer to Oceanus, which is my main floodgate, right? Um, so typically in decks that do have an answer to Oceanus, I, I have other routes I can take. But versus those decks, it can be very difficult. Uh, I started siding for Protector of the People, <laughs> but yeah, it can it can be tough. Uh, also tested it against a Blue Baby, which funny enough, um, I'll give a shout out now to uh, uh, one of my patrons, Numa Numa King. Uh, we've actually been working on some of his lists, and uh, we've been talking a bit. And man, he played me with a Blue Baby deck. And beat me with the hit unison because he flipped my leader when I had two cards left in deck. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> why, why is this card being played on me right now? So for the first time ever, I lost by getting milled out as playing the Gex. 
Uh, so you have to be aware when you're playing blue of the hit unison. That was a big oversight by me. <laughs> um, I will say <laughs> he's going to think this is funny when he listens. Uh, it, it inspired me to side one hatchet hatred everlasting. <laughs> so I can't lose if I just somehow have to go to two and leave myself vulnerable to a hit unison. But ultimately that shouldn't happen too often. Usually, you know, it, it, it's gotta be pretty, you know, perfect conditions to put yourself to exactly two cards in deck when they have the hit unison ready to go. Uh, but you know, he had it. So that, that is a real thing that you gotta be aware of if you're playing Vigex. So I, I learned that, um, I'm actually going to be recording the deck profile for Vigex after I get done recording this podcast. So that will be up soon. So you guys can check it out and I'm almost done my complete play guide for Vigex. That'll be on the Hermit style Patreon. So if that's something that interests you, you may want to think about subscribing to the Patreon. All right. And then last part results of training. I told you I did play a good amount. Uh, baby, blue baby. I'm telling you guys, I've said it now multiple times. I'm having flashbacks. It's like deja vu from almost a year ago when Mike was on here and results of training saying blue baby, blue baby, blue baby. And a lot of people didn't listen until all of a sudden Mike's topping every single regional with it and just clapping people. Uh, look, I can't predict the future. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe our testing isn't happening the way it should be, but Yo, Blue Baby has been crushing. Uh, I would say if you want to play the deck, pick up the cards now. We've been saying it in the Discord. People have been buying them. Uh, last I looked, there was one play set left for under $20, and then it hits 20 So, hey, I'm not telling you to buy it. I'm not telling you to play it. I'm just saying, look, I think it's got some good matchups. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it needs more testing. We're still working on the list. A lot of different cards we can play now. But I think Realm of the Gods really shot that deck up. And I'm going to give you guys, maybe this is a hot take to you. Maybe it isn't. Uh, but maybe surprising for some of you. I think Cell Surge is dead. I think set 16, Cell Surge, not a deck. I do not think it can keep up. Uh, you guys can flame me for that if you know it starts winning all the time again and it doesn't get hit by the ban list, sure. Maybe it gets hit by the ban list and that take doesn't matter. But I think the deck's dead. I don't think it matters if it gets hit on the ban list. I think it becomes more of a rogue deck after competitive play starts. And I think maybe if you play a blue deck, you might randomly take an L to it because sure, someone decided to still play it. But I think it's going to lose to a majority of the top decks this next format. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, let's get in and see what Monaka's got for us. I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaka? Monaka's Delivery Service. Delivery service. Alright, I'm going to hit two questions today. One will be from um, anyone, and the other will specifically be from a patron. So, let's see here. Ah, by the way guys, please don't answer people's questions in Monaka's Delivery Service. It really slows me down when I go to read them. Um, they're just... Basically, if you're in the Discord, right, let me let me break this down for you. In the Discord, there is a channel towards the top called Monaka's Delivery Service. So once you are level seven or higher, you can post questions in there that I randomly pick to answer on the show. Um, but just please don't actually have discussions in there or uh, answer people's question. You can do that in the main channels. That's specifically just for me to run through and pick a question. 
Um, so I will start with one of my patrons. We'll pick Leon here. He said, what are your thoughts on Konami releasing Master Duel at the same time we find out about the formats of the next few events? I'm seeing a lot of old veteran players putting a lot of time into the game now that there isn't even a real event to prep for. Uh, yeah, I think Master Duel hurts the game. Uh, let's be honest, right? Like Master Duel, a lot of DBS players are playing it. It's a huge game. Uh, from what I've heard, I haven't heard any negative feedback about it. Apparently, it's an amazing online client to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, there's apparently like already tournaments for it. Some stream had over 40,000 viewers for it. Uh, yeah, I, I think that is competition for us. And I think that we could definitely lose some players for some period of time to playing it. And I think the timing of them putting up events definitely hurt the competitive side of the game. Because now you have people who aren't as interested that are competitive players. And now Master Duel is out. A lot of them might just be playing Master Duel until we get more news. And the more invested they get into Master Duel, who knows what happens, right? Um, now, that being said, I'll give you my optimistic take on this. Competition is good, right? Anyone who's been in business school knows this. Competition is healthy. And it pushes businesses to strive to do better. And ultimately, it should help the consumer. So if this competition does take away some business from Bandai and it does take some players, well, hey, Bandai, the ball's in your court to now make a move, right? So let's see what Bandai does next. Um, and maybe this pushes them to do some more. And I'm not saying that we're going to get an online client by any means, but Maybe if it has as much of an impact, maybe it pushes them to do something. Who knows? Some people have the opinion that this is just a passion project. I think that may be true, but ultimately passion project or not, it has to be profitable. So we'll see what kind of true impact this has in the, in the near future. And then shortly after that, we'll see what kind of response Bandai has if it is taking away business. Um, that being said, it also may not be terrible that we haven't gotten the announcements for the actual competitive tournaments this year, because maybe that will give everyone an opportunity to blow off their steam where they're mad about DBS Fest, play some Master Duel, and within the next month, we get announcements of real competitive tournaments for DBS. They've gotten their fix of Yu-Gi-Oh! for a little bit, and then we bring them back in. So, you know, it may not be the worst thing, because ultimately, it's January 23rd, right? we aren't having any tournaments till March. So we've got like two months still before there's anything even going on with DBS. So honestly, if there was ever a time where a huge competitor dropped a huge game that could steal business, it would be now because there's no competitive events going on. Let people get their fix. And hopefully a couple months goes by Bandai announces some really dope things and everyone comes back in. So those are my thoughts. I know I kind of went back and forth on that, but um, that's, I guess all my thoughts just, off the top of my head from your question. Hopefully that uh, that answered it. Okay, and then I will answer one more from a random fan of the show. Uh, let's see. Edge Espion says, do you think Helku will have a chance in the next meta? Um, not sure what the ban this will have in store, but I want to know your thoughts. Uh, sadly, I don't. Uh, Helku is a cool deck. My issue with it is the engine is huge which really limits what you can play in the deck. And then secondly, it just isn't as good as the other yellow decks, unfortunately. Every time I've played against a Helku deck, it's okay. But as they're doing things, the real power plays in the deck come from the cards that all of the other yellow decks also play. So ultimately, they're playing an engine 
that's subpar compared to the other yellow decks in the format. And I don't think that really changes moving forward into set 16. Um, honestly, I think it's strong enough. You can probably, if you grind the deck a lot and really learn your matchups, I'm sure you can do well with it. Uh, one top the Virginia Beach case tournament. I actually lost game one and was about to win game two, but ran out of time. Um, and that myself and him both topped that tournament. I was playing the Gex. So it can do good. I think especially at a local level, it can do great. I think maybe a little above that, it can still do great. When we start getting the webcam regionals, if you really grind it, I think it's going to be a tough climb. Maybe you get there. But honestly, if you're trying to play competitively, I think it really just makes sense to play the other yellow leaders. They just, the value, the, the card quality is what I'll refer to it as. Just the quality of the cards you can play are just greater than what Helku can do. When they're playing their in-engine stuff, most of the time I'm like, okay, that's cool. Whereas when I play against Icarus, I'm like, oh, all right, I'm sweating a little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, th those are my thoughts on the deck. I don't, I'm not overly impressed by it. I think it does powerful things, but ultimately I think it's carried by the powerful yellow cards that other generic good stuff yellow decks can play. And honestly, I think all the yellow decks coming out and Icarus both just outshine it. All right, and that's it, everybody. That is going to wrap up our episode today. I appreciate you guys for listening and hanging in here with me. Um, I'm going to try and do a double episode this week because I'll announce my special guest coming up. So I have two really big collectors. I told you guys I'm doing some fun content, some collector's content while they're in this competitive lull, and I am super, super excited to announce this. I have... Linda Kim coming on the show. She's actually a huge collector, runs a YouTube channel, um, actually has been working some. I know on her channel, I believe, was gifted a box from Bandai. So she's doing things. She's going places. I'm really excited to have her on and get her expected from a, a, a female DBS player and collector. Like That's super, super dope. This game has predominantly been mostly male. So it's really cool to see ladies coming in and start playing um, and we can get to hear some of her perspective. So really, really excited to have her on the show. And then the second collector that I have coming on is none other than Noel Collector. Uh, Noel Collector, if you are on Instagram, you probably already follow him. Uh, he's been collecting Dragon Ball cards since 1988. Uh, he now specializes in the Dragon Ball Super card game and has a phenomenal, phenomenal collection. Uh, the most recent pickup he had was the first place alt art Son Goku from this year's Nats. So yeah, he is very serious, very serious about his Dragon Ball collecting. And uh, I cannot wait to have him on the show. We're going to talk about all kinds of different things, learn a little bit about him as well as cover some main topics that hopefully you guys will find engaging and fun. Um, but yeah, so those are the two guests that are coming up next. I think next week I'm going to drop a solo episode, just me. And then I will also drop an episode with one of my special guests. So I can't wait to drop them. I hope you're as excited as I am. Players who maybe aren't as familiar with these two, this is really going to give you some good insight into the collector's world. And look, we just talked about how important it is to know both sides of the coin when we're talking about buying cards. Um, so ultimately knowledge is power and hey as players technically we just have smaller collections right so it'll be pretty cool to hear from them too but that's all i've got for you until next time i'll talk to you soon yeah,
problem on my back every day. I got the shit, best way to try whatever.